0: a front row seat to the untold stories as we talk about how to live life on your terms. You're officially part of the inner circle. Welcome to Courtside with Courtney. And don't worry, I comped your ticket. Welcome back to Courtside with Courtney, everybody. Today's episode is one that I know you will all be on the edges of your seat for. It is with one of my absolute favorite people, someone that I don't even know I would consider like a friend or a coworker at this point, more just like a sister, Miss Audrey, everybody.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to finally be in front of the camera and talking to you. I am always by the camera, though. For everybody that
0: asks, I'm always somewhere lurking, lurking. It's always really funny. I mean, besides for the past couple of months on maternity leave, but besides that, Audrey's always somewhere around the camera, near the camera behind it. I'll get messages. If I don't show Audrey on camera for like a week or two weeks at a time and everyone's where's Audrey. I'm like, oh, she's here. She's always here. Always." So most people that follow me know you because I talk about you a lot and I sh- I've shown you a lot over the course of our relationship as friends and coworkers, which has been for the past four years, just about. But for those people who are new around here and maybe living under a rock or just started falling when you were off on maternity leave, give us a little bit of 411 on who you are, what you do, how you got here. Give us a breakdown. Okay. I'm Audrey. I'm
1: 30 I am married. I've been with my husband for just about 10 years now. We have a son named Santiago and we just, um he's three and a half months, so he is new to the fam. But uh yeah, I originally did real estate and that's what I did after college. I was pretty unhappy with that career and was just working from home a lot, going and showing houses, and I just knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I ended up seeing Courtney share a story that she was hiring an assistant. And I was kind of just like, "Mm, why not? I was literally painting my office wall, the one that's now a nursery. So I was painting that wall. I was sitting on the floor and I saw it and I was like, oh, you know, I don't have a resume, but like, let's bust this out real quick and uh, let's apply and just see what happens.
0: And... Here we are. The rest is history. And that alone was kind of a fate thing. Yeah. I feel like one thing that Audrey and I have always aligned on that we've been able to uncover over the course of the past four years together has really been how much we align on like the way that we see a lot of things in the world and like fate. And we've both experienced a lot of like loss and things in our life. And I think we've been able to use that to see life and a really beautiful way in many ways and be able to like see signs and look out for things. You guys know rainbows, like my sign for my dad, things like that. Like we've always been able to really align on that. And in that moment, I know you told me you were like, I don't know, should I apply? Like might as well. You had a conversation with Rigo about it, right?
1: Yeah. I was sitting there and I knew that I was unhappy with where I was at in life. And I knew in four years, if I was doing the same exact thing, I'm just going to be going down the spiral. Like I'm just, I'm not filling my life with something that is making me happy. And I was actually asking for a sign. I was listening to a podcast about someone who went off on a whim to be an assistant in Nantucket. Totally random. (laughs) Sounds like a good Uh, intro to a book. I know. (laughs) And I was just asking for signs and I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I have zero clue. I'm like overwhelmed looking at the rest of my life, feeling like I have no idea what is meant for me. And instead of focusing on like me making that decision on like, what am I supposed to be doing? I just put it out there. Like I kept asking God. I kept just like not fully manifesting, but just saying, what am I supposed to be doing? Just lead me in that direction. Say no to the things that aren't meant for me and just like open the doors that are supposed to be open. And then I saw your story like literally the day I was listening to that podcast while painting that wall. I was like, why not? And Rigo was like, just do it. Like just make a resume. Like you're good at doing those things, submit it. And like the worst case scenario, you're not going to get a response. And we both were like, oh, she's not going to see my application. There's no way, but like just submit it. And he was really supportive with that. And you saw my
0: application. I saw your application. I had interviewed quite a few people at this point. We had gotten hundreds, if not thousands of people applying for the job. And it was all people who, it was like all different walks of life. Like there were definitely people that didn't have the qualifications. And then there were people that were like assistants at Vogue or had previously worked at like major magazines in New York and just worked, you know, just moved here and were like very qualified for the job. And it's so interesting because I always operate off my gut that's something that's like so major to me when making big life decisions. I have a tattoo on my right wrist that says clarity. And the reason I got that tattoo was because I wanted to always remind myself to wait until I had clarity and a situation. And then when I got the clarity to act swiftly and quickly and with purpose and that like alacrity, like speed and purpose. And it was one of those moments where I read your resume and I was like, this is interesting. For some reason, like something stood out to me. So we met for the first time at Nordstrom. And a lot happens for me at Nordstrom over the years. We met for the first time at Nordstrom. You were wearing like an outfit that's so not you, if I think about it It was one of my real estate outfits. It was like bright and colorful. Very professional. Yeah, (laughs) professional. And which is so funny to think about now, because I feel like now I think about you being like all black and leggings and neutrals and chic, like blazer and trousers. Um, But we met... And I knew like right away. And it was funny because you didn't have on paper like the qualifications, I'm using air quotes for those of y'all who aren't watching this, but the qualifications as far as like had any experience as someone that was like in social media or all that, you did have photography experience, but I just knew right away because it was more about a personality fit. And it was more about knowing that you were capable of doing everything that you needed to be doing and more. And it was like something that I got right away. I think we have this really beautiful synergy that we've always had, which is we have an alignment on so many things and there has been so much synergy and we're very good at different things. Yeah. Like very good at different things. What did you say the other day when someone asked you, it was something about like something funny about me or a fun Or You were like, Courtney has no schedule in her head at all. No. Just vibes. Just vibes. Courtney operates only off vibes and you are like the queen of the schedule. Very scheduled. There's always I I, at any given point I'm like, what are we doing again today? And
1: which is weird. It's it's weird how different things can manifest because I both we've talked about both of us feeling like we have ADHD and I've been diagnosed. And for me it manifested in I have to control things. I have to have a schedule. I have to like almost micromanage. Like you I almost overcompensate. And I'm like, fuck the schedule. I'm never going to remember it. We're just going to go for it. But I think that's what makes us work well together. Because Mm -hmm. if I was good at what you're good at, you you wouldn't need me. You're you. You don't need somebody to do exactly what you do. You need somebody to fill the gaps of the things that aren't your
0: strength. Exactly. So I have commonly referred to Audrey as my right hand because I feel like there's been so many things over the past four years where you are like the other piece of the puzzle. You're more like a life partner. Yeah. Truly. Honestly,
1: when I was pregnant, um as soon as I found out I was pregnant, it was the hardest keeping up from Courtney, which I didn't do it for that long.
0: We should tell people um, that story. You know,
1: yeah. Right. I as soon as I got pregnant, I told my husband, obviously he was on the other side of the bathroom. Hill? Um, okay. <laughs> but I was like, okay, the other person this is going to impact the most is Courtney. And that's so funny that in like a big big moment like that, like you were like right there by my husband. I was like, hmm, we got to
0: <laughs> announce this to Courtney. We got to tell her she's getting a baby. Exactly. And in the moment, you guys, I knew Audrey was pregnant before she told me. We were in the airport coming home from New York or New going York. to New York? Coming home. <clears throat> coming home from New York. And I think it was the snacks we had grabbed because we always do these snack calls on mm-hmm. TikTok. And you grabbed weird snacks and you brought this whole big bag of these like crackers. The oyster crackers. The oyster crackers. <laughs> Those are so good. They're really good. You brought this like a massive pack of those and all of us, and we always like to snack. So snacking, like none of that was like flagged anything that was out of the norm for us. But you had this look on your face. All of a sudden I saw this little boy run by and I was like, that looks like a mini Rego. Remember that little boy? And you, I looked over and Audrey just had this look on her face and I, I started like sobbing. I was like, oh my God, you're pregnant. Yeah. And you just couldn't hide it on you your face. you knew like immediately, like
1: you just saw my face. And it's funny because at that time we didn't know I was pregnant with a boy either. And now I have a boy, but yeah, that was so hard keeping it from you. And I think I was only three, I found out on like the 31st of the month. And then we were in New York on like the eighth. So like... I only it was knew like, for a, like week. a week. <laughs> I but I wanted to tell her in a cute way. Like I wanted to record it like and have like this cute moment. It still was like really cute. And it's, you know, just the way that things happen in our friendship is just very like we call them God things. Yeah. It's just things that you can't make happen. It we was saw just... a little kid that looked like my husband and she was like, oh. I'm like, wait, that looks like a little
0: Rego. And it was funny too, because I think this is really interesting about you. You, So let's rewind it back a little bit. You grew up in Venezuela, which not a lot of people know.
1: Yeah, so I lived there for four years when I was very young. So it was very formative years. It was when I was learning to talk um, and in preschool and elementary school. uh, And then I moved back to the United States.
0: And Audrey speaks beautiful, fluent Spanish. For those of you guys who don't know, it's it's not fluent anymore. I don't feel like she's being modest, but it's really funny because based on just like physical appearance and outward, how somebody looks outwardly, we have often traveled together. And if someone is Spanish speaking, they will look at me and they'll say something. And I'm like, deer in headlights and Audrey chimes in and they're like, wait, what? They're like turning to her. But she speaks fluent Spanish because you grew up and you were learning English and Spanish in Venezuela. What I think is so interesting is you went through, I guess what I would call an ebb and flow of wanting kids and that feeling like this really natural thing and then not wanting kids and thinking, you know, maybe we're not going to have this. It wasn't because you didn't have a partner. I mean, you've had Rigo for so long in your life as a partnership and you guys have had this amazing marriage and, and friendship really, I would say for so long. And we often joke too, that Rigo and I are very similar, very similar, which I think is interesting. So obviously it's like a compliment to your personality, like our type of personality is a compliment to your personality, but talk to me a little bit about how you decided to have a kid and how that changed for you over the years.
1: So I think if you asked my mom, like out of her four daughters, who was going to be the one to have a kid, like that she could count on it, me always, I grew up, Playing with baby dolls far longer than was like normal. And I just always wanted to take care of something. During COVID, anxiety was really high. I've always suffered from anxiety and depression. A lot of times people with ADHD can struggle from other mental health disorders and they're kind of grouped together. And that's fairly common. But my anxiety was kind of at an all time high. And it just became to this point where I was like living out of fear. I was scared of life. Like I was scared how, how am I going to like, Bring something else into this world when everything is so crazy. And I kind of stayed in that place of fear, I think, for a couple years where I, it just all of a sudden a, a switch flipped. And I was like, I don't want to have kids. And Rigo and I were like, we don't want to have kids. We're not going to do it. And I think both of us were just so scared of life. And as we kind of started working through it. Like, I acknowledge that. Yeah, I'm living out of fear right now. Like, I'm making these choices about my life because I'm
0: just scared to do something. Not because I truly don't want a kid, which is obviously fine, like, if you didn't. Totally fine. And the people that don't, like, I think it's just not meant for everybody, and that's okay if that's your choice. But you were realizing that you weren't really making the choice because you didn't want to have a kid. You were making the choice because you were scared. I was scared. I think what's so interesting, too, is that you guys are always on the same page, though.
1: Yeah. We both, like it was one day we were like, you know what? Maybe kids aren't for us. And then the same way that that came about, we were like, oh, you know, actually we do want to have kids. And so we've always maintained being on the same page. And I don't know if that's just because we were very open with each other. We communicate like really well, but it's honestly very like a blessing to be on the same page with your partner, because I think that that can be a really hard pain point in some relationships.
0: I think I've always admired that about the two of you that no matter the season in life and like what you're going through or like pregnant or not, or like planning a wedding or whatever is going on, changing careers because that also was like a big... That was a big pain
1: point. I remember those conversations that like right after I had started with you where. It was kind of, I think maybe that was the time where we were becoming like really close. Like we found out like really quickly that we were able to have these conversations with each other that like you can't really have with a
0: lot of people. And not, and not like a coworker conversation no. per se.
1: Um, but yeah, like anytime a dynamic, there's a dynamic shift in your relationship, you're going to have to adjust. And sometimes relationships can bounce back from that and you can adjust and the other partner can kind of fill in the gaps. In this case, I was no longer home. I was out nine to five. Whereas before I was working from home, I was handling the house. I was cooking groceries, cooking, everything like that. And so it really shifted. And all of a sudden I wasn't there to take care of those things. And he needed to step up and take care of it. And a dynamic shift can, it can make or break a relationship. And there was a point where I was like, wow, like, how are we going to do this? Is he going to be okay with stepping up in that way? And I talked to you like very candidly about it.
0: Yeah. We had a lot of good conversations about that. I'm an interesting example of the opposite of that, where there were a lot of those shifts and it, it didn't work out and we like couldn't get on the same page. And I think that was one of the first things that made me really like love Rigo, be like, man, I fuck with this guy. He's great because I feel like he was so outward too about saying like, yeah, this is shift, but like he could tell how happy you were. And I feel like you really started to come into your own. You got Really confident. You really like, I, I personally like saw this shift in you and I feel like he saw the same shift and he was really complimentary and supportive of that and like loved it for you. Like, I feel like Rigo was having this moment where he was like, I love this for you. Like do it and was able to really support you and step up. And that is the mark of a good partner. In so many ways, in my opinion, because we will always have those moments in life where you have the ebb and flow and someone else needs to step up and fill in the gap, whether you get sick or you change jobs or whether it's a hard day or a year or something positive in your life. Like in this case, it was positive, but it was still a pain point because it was a shift in adjustment. But the way that he handled it, I feel like was so telling of the type of like supportive partner that he is as well. And having your best interest at heart as a person and as a partner too yeah
1: yeah he knew that I wasn't happy you know I went through some really like tough times uh just handling my anxiety and depression and and he kind of I think he could see that for me and he's the type that is rooting for me and he will always like when I'm looking good he's telling me I'm looking good and he hypes me up so much um and I think that that's
0: that's like the best thing I could ask for in a partner He's so good about that. I just, Rigo's just funny. Like you have to talk to, if you talk to Rigo, like you'd get it, but he's just like a ham. He's like the class clown, yeah. honestly. That's, yeah. that's Rigo, like loves the yeah. limelight, but will hype Audrey up. Like he could be across the street, like yelling, like that's my wife. He's like, look how hot she is. And like saying something probably really funny in Spanish, but like just. Yeah. Or inappropriate. Yeah. Really inappropriate. Rigo like thrives on being inappropriate. He's like a shock value person, but also very kind, like, Good hearted, grounded person that I think has genuinely wanted the best for you. What do you think cultivated that? I think what I would best describe as just friendship within y'all's relationship. Do you think it was, how do you think you started having those really honest communications and conversations? Did you have them early on? Like, how did you go about that? Because I do think that's kind of like the hallmark of your relationship from my perspective.
1: Yeah. um, I think we were forced to have those conversations really early on uh, within the first year of us dating. My dad passed away. My grandma passed away and his mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, he broke his leg and lost a high paying job, which totally would have like changed where our life is right now. So all those things happened, uh, like in the span of honestly, like the first eight months, we had to have those conversations. Like we had to immediately talk about finances. We had, I was still in college, but like, I'm driving back and forth trying to help him through physical therapy because he broke his leg and I would go there on the weekends and then like I didn't have money to pay for my gas and stuff like we were having to have these like awkward conversations like really early on like we were having to face like death and changes in life like with his mom getting breast cancer like really early on like that stuff that a lot of relationships don't deal with until you're like 10 years down the road and then you realize oh we can't we can't work through these things together. We don't work well together. Because you never we, had to. Yeah, we had to figure all of that out like in the very beginning. And it was kind of like, we either make it or we don't. Like maybe we kind of trauma bond. Like, I don't know. But, but we grew up together and we went through all those things like really early.
0: As shitty as every single one of those things is, The flip side, the silver lining and the change in perspective is that you got to see really early on how to work together as a team and if you could work together as a team and then build the relationship that you have based on that super solid foundation. And I think that has become such a blessing because I feel like even over the years, it's like Rego will come and tell you everything, you tell him everything and it has I think it's special, you know, I think that kind of thing. And I you guys have to a lot of equity together time spent and built and that's that only comes with time but I think you have to have the type of foundation to want to build that with someone which is major let's talk about our both of our least favorite topic probably losing parent that was something that you and I bonded on early on I like to say, cause I have a dark sis, like twisted sense of humor. Sometimes I like to say losing a parent is like a, it's a club. My friends joke that it's like the DDC dead dad club. And it's like all of us who have like a, a dad who's passed away. It's not a club that I would ever, ever in a million years wish. It's not a position I would ever wish anyone to be in my worst enemy. Never in a million years would I ever wish that on anyone. It's brutal. But when you have experienced it, it is a club and it is a sense of like community, I would say in a weird way and camaraderie with people who have experienced that. The girls that get it, get it. Unfortunately, like it's obviously it's not a good thing, but it's something that I think you can only understand if you've experienced it. Obviously, we you know my situation, I've talked about it. Can you give us like a little brief rundown? How old were you when you lost your dad, et cetera?
1: Some backstory is I, I grew up expecting my dad's death for different reasons he struggled with alcoholism and so I kind of grew up in that mindset of like any day could be the day like or if if he's going through a bad period like any time could be the time that I could lose him and when I was in in my I was 20 and I was with Rigo we were at a wedding and I remember that I got the phone call from my sister I missed her call and I always knew that like if I missed a call from a family member, normally I would be like really anxious about it. Um, but my dad was like doing really well right now. So I wasn't even thinking anything was wrong with him. And I remember I was at the wedding and I was like, oh, like, why are you calling me? And I called her back and Asia. I got the, yeah. And she just told me that my dad had passed away. Um, and at the time he was sober. He was doing really well and he passed away from cardiac arrest. So it was something that was unrelated. But that was like the one time in my life where I felt like I wasn't worried about him like he was doing well. And so I wasn't counting on that call. And I think that is like one of the foundations of my life where I felt like I was like safe for a moment, moment and then that was taken away. And that's when I think it kind of like made me into the person that I am now, where I kind of lived life with a little bit of caution, like yeah. knowing that you you can lose people. um, People do die.
0: It, it reinforces really impacts you. the feeling of like, you're not safe. Like don't, yeah. don't let your... Guard you down got your guard down one you time do, and yeah and that's what happens and I think obviously logically we can see that everything in life is it's okay right now things are good like life is okay but it you still you have these things that are embedded based on things that we've all experienced in our life and our traumas that we each have and this is like one of yours and it's like something that it's it's a wound right like it's one of those things that you feel and I think those things make you who you are for better or worse. And for all the ways that you have shared that it's caused like struggles, I feel like it's also caused a lot of what I think are your best assets too. So I think that there's a lot of beauty in the sadness of it also as weird as it is, but that's so life to me. Like there's so much good in the bad and bad in the good. And it's all sort of intertwined in this way that's just like this really messy, beautiful way, deep, you know? Yeah. Um. And I think that like you're, you're, you've always had this like motherly on top of it, caring, super like, empathetic nature to you. And I think that's one of my favorite things about you. And so I feel like it's like been so cool to see you be a mom and, and have like all of these new things come to light those type of personality traits and qualities like spill into everything like you I mean take care of me a lot of times (laughs) and I'm older than you and I was a mom before you but like you still like take care of me a lot of times right and I think that's just kind of who you are as a person which is really cool and a lot of that comes from experiencing hard things when you're younger and as much pain as there is in that I feel like the beauty of it was that your dad was in a good place and that's really cool that he was on like a good path. And I feel like much like anything else, it makes it harder. Probably. I can't speak to like your specific experience. I think everyone's grief is their own and it's different, but it's, is it like comforting more to know that he was in a good place? Does that help at all? Or is it, is it worse because of that?
1: Both. Both. There was relief in it in knowing that, like, I feel like this is going to be something that is mm, might resonate with some people, but might be controversial going through it. I almost felt this feeling of relief when he passed away. And that's so such a conflicting feeling and like brings so much guilt. But it's like I knew that he wasn't driving drunk and didn't injure somebody else. I knew that he wasn't, you know, it was it was fast. I knew that I wasn't waiting for the call anymore. So it's a, like a really conflicting feeling. But yeah, I got, I had relief that it was in a peaceful way and that he was happy. Obviously, yeah, I'm, I'm sad because I think he was on a great path and it could have been yeah. really well, but like <clears throat> when you deal with sobriety, that soberness, it can be the rest of your life. It can be for one more month and you never know. So, I knew that he passed away sober and happy. Did you feel like
0: proud of him that he was on a good path?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can remember having conversations where my with my dad when he was struggling, and he would just ask me um, like how I kept the faith and like how I stayed positive and things and that's like that's a hard question for a parent to be asking a kid i w- I was in college like freshman year and when he passed away, like he was reading the Bible. like He was very, um, like, I think at peace and was talking to God. And I kind of, that just leads me to believe that this is like what was supposed to happen. He's in a better place and the world's a hard place. And sometimes I feel like this is what was like better for him and meant for him right now.
0: I think that sometimes too, I like to view when I've lost someone that's really special like that as like, God needed them. And I don't necessarily know the reason I know you and I've talked about this, but it's like, maybe there there's like more important Mm -hmm. things than like the here and now that we feel. And I think that's like something that's hard to understand. Cause if we could wave a wand and like wish them back here, like, would we like, yeah, that would be incredible, but it's not, that's not how life works. And I would be a different person. Same.
1: And so like, as much as I want my dad here right now, I wouldn't be where I am if he was still here. That that's would have
0: so true. completely
1: changed the trajectory of my life, and I love my life right now. Did would I love my life
0: with my dad? Yeah, Different. differently. I mean, it's totally different. That's yeah. all how that's the craziness of the roller coaster. But has did watching your dad struggle has that uh, affected or shaped your relationship with alcohol? Your relationship with like family? How has that affected or shaped, or has it not?
1: You know, I was really young going through it, and I think that. If anything, it just made me, I want to communicate. I just want to talk. I want to know what's going on. I want to have those conversations. I feel like I was I was young and I was kind of babied in a way, but that didn't keep me from knowing what was going on. Like maybe they thought that I didn't know. (laughs) Because you're you. But I knew. Audrey's always by the camera, everybody. (laughs) Always. (laughs) Uh, But I just kind of felt like I was alone then. And so I think that's what I kind of took from it is I I want to talk about everything. I want to understand. I want to ask questions. And because that makes you feel like you have a community that makes you feel like you have support. And as far as my relationship with alcohol, I guess I just don't, I'm not like a giant drinker. I used to like socially, like it's fun, but I don't really love the taste of alcohol. So I don't drink a ton, but I've been lucky in that. I, I don't feel like I, I've struggled with with
0: that. We're more of like bread girlies yeah, around here. I love food. <laughs> we love food yeah. and the crisp crunch of a good bread. Audrey does a happy dance when she eats bread sometimes. Fun fact. It's okay. Audrey does a happy dance when she eats bread. She'll just like, she does a little thing with her arms or she gets really happy. Do you know, do you know what you do that? Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Behind the scenes... Of working together, I think as you guys can probably tell by now, behind the scenes, working together, I think when I say we work together, it's just like, it's the fact, Mm -hmm. but that's like not ever how I would define our relationship. And we get that question sometimes. I don't know if people think it's like fake or like, we're not really that close to friends. Like, I don't know what people really think, but like, we really are more like sisters And I got a lot of questions too about like, give us the tea, like work drama, like has there been times you and Audrey haven't gotten along? And it's like more oftentimes than not, we are the right and the left hand, the peanut butter and jelly. We're like in sync in two sides of the same coin is probably a good way to put it. And in all the times when we've like disagreed about something, it's been like a sister, like yeah no. all right. let's let's talk it out. Like where are we at? Like we we're more like sisters than anything. I think it's just been all about like, okay, let's like communicate through it and talk through it. And you over the past couple of years, have also become like one of my most trusted confidants. I would say if there's anyone that knows the journey of the past several years, just I mean, it's been you. like you've been here to see it all, which I think has been interesting. For you as well, because I think you're someone that is like one of the more poised, put together, graceful people that I know. But like you have such a fiery side. I feel like people don't get to see that much. But like Matt Audrey is my favorite Audrey because it's just so funny and it's it comes out rarely. But it's like Audrey is like such a you're such a ride or die, like don't fuck with my people kind of person. And you have watched me like get fucked with a lot, I would say. Over the past couple of years, I don't even really know where to start when it comes with all that, but there's been a lot and you've been here to witness all of that. So let's talk about like the behind the scenes and the day to day. What does your job look like day to day? I know a lot of people had that question throughout the episode. I'm going to answer a couple of y'all's questions and then we're just going to have a conversation as well. But that was a big question from people. What's your day to day look like as far as the job aspect? What's your role? How would you describe that?
1: I wear a lot of hats. I feel like I kind of do most things alongside Courtney. So for right now, it's a little bit different because I now have a couple work from home days. And those days I just call like my graphic days or my admin days where I'm just like handling emails and dealing with accountants and stuff. But when I'm at work, um, I'm right by Courtney, like nine times out of 10. The camera (laughs) is if Courtney is filming something, (laughs) I am off to the side, like right by her. And so... I work alongside you, um, with campaigns. I'm not your agent, but I I'm kind of like in between mm-hmm. your agent and you not not in the literal sense, but in the we communicate together and I help go us. through um like campaign details with you and we
0: film those. Yeah, and you help um, even decide like the nitty gritty of what campaigns we're even gonna yeah. film if we can fit it into the schedule. Do yeah, we like calendar. it? Like, do we love it at this point? Because we only take things we love. At yeah. this point, it's kind of like, all right, do we love the product? Do we like it? Meaning, like, is it is it something that sounds like fun? At this point, we do have the blessing and good fortune of being able to only choose things we're really excited about. So, am I going to want to like blow my brains out filming something, or is it great? Like, we, you know, we get to like be be picky about that. You help with all that too.
1: Yeah, and then also kind of bridging between you and Dibs kind of working on that scheduling, getting the assets that Dibs needs um, done. We film those together. Um, and with that, like Kirsten obviously is involved in this as well. And she's a part of all of it. So, you know, it's a little bit of a Kirsten and I's role. And she's over here. So I'm like looking <laughs> over there. Um, we do a lot of things together or like she, she'll make graphics sometimes or I'll make graphics. So I feel like that's how our team kind of works where we all kind of pick up the
0: slack where it's needed. So pretty much like anything that Courtney is doing, like I'm alongside for the ride. Behind the scenes, behind the camera. There's so many things that go into behind the scenes of posting something. I'll give you guys a little like juicy influencer tea because I feel like this is not something that a lot of people know. And it's not something that a lot of people share, which I find fascinating. I think I know why, but I think it's interesting. Not a lot of people share that they have a team. And most of your favorite influencers, most big influencers, most people have been doing this for a long time on a grander scale have teams. And a lot of times they're, I mean, bigger than our team even, and they're never shown, never mentioned. I find it really fascinating for me. I just, I made the conscious decision years ago to share the people that were working alongside me because I thought it was so strange not to. I think it's because people wanna, this is gonna be controversial but I think it's because people want to remain like as relatable as possible, which is like maybe why people like who don't really know me on a personal level will say things, you know, to that regard. But I think it's like actually so much more relatable to admit that you have help and that you need help. I think it's really weird to kind of like pretend like you do everything on your own. I've never understood that. I don't know. I, so I, my assumption kind of is that people want it to feel like, Oh, they're just picking up the camera and they're recording their day and no one's helping. And this is not like a, a business. A business. And I think I, I get it. And there are days like that. Like I'm filming on the weekends or I'm filming in the morning in my car and by myself, I'm going to the gym. Like there's plenty of times like that. And it's always organic. It's always just us filming things that we're actually doing. Like nothing that I personally do is like falsified. It's never like, oh, let me create this whole, I need to go here and make this scheme. And here we're going like, you can speak to this. We don't do that we film just what I'm doing, but I'm only one person and it would be so unrealistic to think that I could do this all on my own. So not only did I, do I not feel right about not like crediting the people that are helping, but I felt like it's also setting this weird unrealistic expectation that I could even do do all all this by myself. Like, I think that's not fair to anybody who's trying to look at this career. Now, did I always have a team? Of course not. I did this for three years. I didn't make a dollar. I didn't have a single person that worked for me. I busted my ass. It was like, eventually, of course it accumulated. It wasn't like I woke up one day and I was like, all right, here's, here's a team of people helping me, but it, it evolved over time. And as any business grows and you hire, it's similar. It's, you know, it's not dissimilar in that way. So things too, that take a lot of time, I would say like linking things. And if I have an outfit on, like making sure those things or those links are all ready to go so I can get that information for you guys, it can be present or say I'm wearing a leather jacket that's $600, like going into source, taking the time to go and source. Okay. Here's an option for $40. Here's one for $200. That stuff all takes a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Audrey does a little bit of everything I would say. And even like managing accounts, like when it comes to things like talking to the accountants and yeah. and all that stuff. Um, but I have always tried to be upfront about having a team because I think it's important. The truth is like, I couldn't do all this without Audrey and Kirsten every single day by myself. Could I do it like technically on a much smaller schedule, like scale, do I know how to do it? Yeah, but like, could I really maintain it? Like, no. And so I like to give the people credit where it's due. So behind the scenes, let's rewind to like 2020. It was such a stressful time for us. I feel like my honest interpretation of that year was that people were unhappy and it was a really hard and dark time for a lot of people in the world as a whole. People were scared. They were stuck in their houses, and I think a lot of that ammo. And this is not like a poor me moment, but a lot of that ammo and the firepower got aimed at influencers. Like people were just like shitting on influencers, trying to get people canceled and take people down. And it was a really stressful time. Like podcasts being put out, making things up, people making all sorts of weird assumptions just to to talk about
1: influencers um, or like pull dart. On people,
0: Yeah. And a lot of times there's zero validity. It's just people saying what they wanted to say. Yeah. Do you remember when I, pull, it was like, I was stuck and I was in Hawaii and I got stuck in Hawaii during the storm and I was trying to send people packages here that I cared about. Remember that? Yeah. We made like all these Amazon packages and people were like, she never did that. Like the weirdest, making up the weirdest things.
1: I think I said that you, you like sent me uh, Amazon like care package and because I didn't specify that like yeah it, ar- it arrived once Amazon could get to my house yeah
0: people were like which people was didn't still,
1: packages like yeah which was because I didn't specify that like this this person with a huge account like outed my like private account and like tagged me and like sent people to me and I was just like what Be- just because of like a little like Lack of specification, I did get a package. I do still have some of that Annie's mac and cheese because it literally was like a giant pack, but it just came after. And it was actually really helpful because my town, I don't live in Austin. Like I live kind of on the outskirts. My neighborhood didn't have power for a while and we didn't have water. So like even when it wasn't frozen outside, it wasn't snowy. Like that was still extremely helpful. We were still out of everything. Yeah, I was out of everything.
0: It was just, it was a stressful year. Can you give us any tea from that year or anything that you remember? Because I feel like it's kind of a blur, but it was a lot.
1: That was one of the times where I, like I see so much online where I want to like run to your defense and I want to like argue with somebody and I want to tell them why they're they're wrong. That was the one time that I did. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) totally backfired (laughs) but um no there's so much that i'll see a comment and i'll just like i want to respond to them and i want to tell them that they're wrong like that's not how it went down or i'll see um like somebody will dm me like asking about like why you're not friends with somebody or like what really happened and obviously like i'm not gonna dm the person back and tell them like i'm not so sure what he asked me here's the tea <laughs> but um yeah you just like when you're close to somebody you want to fight for them you want to you want everybody else to see like what you see and you want them to know the truth it honestly like feels like a personal like it feels personal all those comments feel personal to me and yeah. i think that's one thing that i didn't realize like getting into this job i didn't know that it would impact me so much um but like the things that people say about you that I can't, like
0: I can't stand up for you without them coming for me too. Without and and like, or without telling the story about what really happened. Yeah. And, and I've said this on other podcast episodes, but I've just tried to kind of turn the other cheek, not because I was wrong. Audrey knows all the tea from all those stories. And it's not because I did anything wrong. It's just because like, we've tried to handle it in a classy way, yeah. but it's hard. I imagine like, I mean, I know it, it's hard feeling myself get drugged through the mud, but but it's hard watching your best friend get drugged through the mud too.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling like you can't do anything about it. Um, You can't change like these people's opinions. You can't tell everybody the truth. Yeah, that's tough.
0: And it's wild too that we live in this world where anyone can say anything with zero repercussions, like in many regards. Like people can just make shit up. And do you remember when someone put out a podcast shit talking me? Mm Mm-hmm. That was like one of those times when it was like so far from the truth. And I can't, I like, I can't believe anyone bought that.
1: No, but those types of things, like it, it's weird. Sometimes somebody, just because somebody says it and puts it out there, it doesn't make it true. But what it does do is it gives it legs and it gives a bunch of other people legs.
0: And people love to just pile on,
1: pile on somebody. And that's like, like that can really, really hurt people. And that was a really dark time where it was like, I remember you and I, like, we didn't want to scroll on
0: Instagram. My anxiety we didn't want was... To go. Like, we were scared to open up the app. Through the roof. Like, I felt like my cortisol was so spiked because people were constantly making stuff up about me. And then when that podcast released, I remember just like sending the person who put the podcast out a text. And I said, I think you and I remember the way things went down very differently. Would you like to meet? And they basically said No. Yeah. And like, they were fine with just making up whatever they wanted to make up, which I think is clinically well, not so, but it was like one of those times when it was like, what? what was the alternative? Me go on social media, add more fuel to the flame and say like, here's why, here's really what happened. Cause it, sure shit wasn't that, but here's really what happened. Let me like tell you guys the story about it and get into the, it's like, who wins in that? So it was one of those things where I think we chose and I had a lot of conversations with you behind the scenes. Do I just do nothing? Do I, do I just take it to the chin? Do I just let people call me these names and say these things about me when we know that none of that's true? Or do we fight back? And I think I'm in my era right now of kind of like, you know what, fuck it. So I think that's a good, I always want to remain classy in the way I handle things. But I think Courtney today, like I don't think I have it in me to lay down and take it anymore. Yeah. I really don't. Like, I feel like I've grown like feistier over the years and I've seen how, like, while I've tried to handle things with so much grace in class and just like take it to the chin and then get back up and take it to the chin again. I think it's like, I think I've endured enough at this point where I'm like, if you want to come for me, like bring it on because I'm kind of done. People are wild, you guys. I think as an overall arcing theme on media, and this has nothing to do with me, but like, don't believe everything you read in here because anyone can say anything we live in such a crazy world where you could say whatever you want there could be no validity to it so use your own common sense and like your own instincts to see what you really think is going on yeah yeah I mean
1: I remember that was a a period where it taught me because yeah obviously I watched like reality tv and like you see like the the pages that are like gossiping about it and I'm, I was always like, ooh, like, this is so entertaining. Um, and then, like, having a friend who it's happening to, it, like, really, it makes you realize you're, like, these are people. Like, these are people's lives that you're fucking with. These are people's families that you're, like, putting lies out about. And it really, like, brought it into perspective that was, like, that's not right. Like, that's not okay. I don't know why, like, we think it's okay to go on Twitter and be having hashtag where it's like tearing somebody down where there's just hundreds of people saying stuff. Like, I, I don't know why that's okay.
0: I don't even really watch. It's not like never, but like for the most part, I don't really watch reality TV. I think a lot of it was because those years felt like reality TV yeah, <laughs> in a lot of ways. And it felt like people were just kind of making things up and it was a spinoff and it was, it felt a little bit like a fishbowl.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but with murky water. And I think at the end of the day too, I genuinely love what we do. Mm-hmm and i feel like things have cleared yeah and it feels really nice to to have even this as a platform at this point to longer form talk through things i also just think we created a really healthy boundary i don't read anything about myself Mm-mm. ever and i have a hard rule with people that work with me and with my friends if anyone reads like shit like that goes on negative sites like i don't i don't fuck with people like that i haven't looked at it in probably at least I mean, it might even be three, four years at this point. It's been a long time. Yeah. I keep, I kept saying two years because I think for a long time it was two years and then all of a sudden now it's 2024 and I think it's been a lot longer than that. I know. So those, I just, I don't even give mind to the negativity like that, but I do think it's important to talk about it in a forum like this because it is a question we get asked like- Yeah, a lot. Non-stop on repeat. I want to- Go through some questions that people have asked because there's some good ones on here. Any postpartum depression, or did you struggle with postpartum anxiety? I don't think the mom like load and roommate stage after baby is talked about enough.
1: I've been really lucky that I haven't dealt with any PPD or PPA. Um, I am still combo feeding, so I am breastfeeding, and some people say that that can happen after after you wean. Um, but as of right now I've been doing really well with that. My husband actually is the one that has been like he has struggled a lot more with the anxiety of it. Um, I have been way calmer than I anticipated I would be because before I was pregnant, like I'm a like fairly anxious person and I have anxiety. So I've I've been really pleasantly surprised.
0: And I think it's obvious. When you know you, it's obvious. Like you seem like the load is lighter for you in so many ways. I've seen it with you as a mom. You're like very chill. And I would not have thought that you <laughs> would have been chill because you're I not didn't think a chill God's person be chill at all. All in all, like you're chill as in like you're really cool and like fun to be around. But you're not chill. Like you have anxieties. So like you know, you're you're on top of everything. There's a schedule. There's a calendar. There's a rhyme and a reason, and like everything is organized, which is like why you're so good at everything that you do, but it's also, I would have thought you would have carried that into motherhood and not at all. You're like so chill, you're laid back, you're, it's like so confident. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like I, I'm kind of like coming into my own a little bit. It also puts a lot into perspective.
0: I feel like I've witnessed you coming into your own, honestly though, really for the past three years. (laughs) Like I think it's been for the, I would say truly for the past three years, I think it started with, being able to really like have a lane in work and like be confident and know that you're so good at what you do and like move the needle and see things happening. And then it's like getting married and like planning a wedding and like coming into your own there. And then it was like turning 30 and like having this like very main character energy moment. And then being a mom and coming into your own there. Like I've witnessed you come into your own in so many seasons was planning a wedding hard because you planned it not in the States Oh, we should tell the story about the plane. That was that was the one moment where I feel like I had to be the Audrey. But give us a, the rundown a little bit of like planning a wedding that wasn't here in the states. Was that challenging? Would you do it again?
1: I would do it again. I would find a place that was a
0: little easier to fly into. It was very remote. Um, I mean, it was so beautiful though. Find
1: somewhere with a direct flight or plan a, a few more days before the wedding. But yeah, it was it was stressful but I had a planner that I worked with and a florist that they do these types of weddings
0: very frequently. The flowers Um, were magical. I mean, they were, it was like the dreamiest set of flowers I've ever seen. Yeah. It
1: was, it was stressful because I never saw a picture of what it was going to look like, which is your nightmare, (laughs) which is my nightmare. Yeah. I had no idea what it was going to look like. Like I gave the vibe, I gave kind of what I liked. Um, but I didn't have like a ton of renderings or ideas of what it was going to be like. So that gave me a bit of anxiety. Um, And then obviously not planning the flight with proper time to
0: in the case that it uh, got canceled. I mean, you couldn't have really foreseen it, but I'll never forget. You guys were sitting on the plane and the plane's not taking off. And it was Murphy's law. It was everything that could have gone wrong did. And we're sitting on the plane. It's not taking off. And I'm starting to panic now because I knew that Audrey was panicking. And in this moment, I think my first thought was like, all right, I'm going to Audrey, Audrey. Like I was like, I'm going to be the Audrey for Audrey. Cause I knew you were, this was like, it's your wedding. It's your moment. I'm like, how can I show up And help and just like handle shit. So I walked to the front of the plane and I was like, what's going on? And they're like, we can't take off. And I was like, what do you mean we can't take off? And they're like, we can't take off. There's issues with the plane. Okay, when's the next flight? This is the only flight. And your wedding was the next day just to give everybody. Mm -hmm. We had had a welcome
1: dinner that night. Yes. Because this was supposed to be like quick. Like we're hopping over for our layover and then
0: going like straight there. And to give you guys an idea of like how close Audrey and I, I was one of the, how many people at your wedding? Nine. And that's including like us and the photographer. So that's, that's like the level yeah. of closeness that, yeah. that this is. But I'm on the plane and I walk up and I ask and they say, this is our only flight out today. And so now we're immediately probably missing the welcome dinner, which you obviously already paid for and had and set up and everything. And so it's okay. It kind of is just triage at this point. And they're like, there's really nothing we can do. And I don't take, I don't like to take no for an answer. So I'm like, what do you what the fuck do you mean there's something? No, I'm kidding. I I gotta come with kindness sometimes. So I was like, okay, who's someone in charge I can talk to? So I went and found the pilot. And I'm like, sir, I need a favor. We have to figure out how we can get where we need to go. The closest flight was, I think, Cancun, and it was still seven hours away drive from where we needed to be through rural middle of nowhere, Mexico.
1: We were supposed to fly, have a layover and fly into Merida and then drive to Campeche, which the wedding was actually in like Guayamon, but it was like closest big town is Campeche.
0: I just had a flashback of like waking up in the big, like beautiful room. It's literally in the jungle. Okay. And all of a sudden I heard something like, I just like heard something. And I was like, oh, an animal. <laughs> Through <laughs> room, my room, like that's where we were in Mexico, guys. We're not, we're not talking about like all inclusive no. uh, resort in Cabo. Like this is in the jungle. rural, Very rural. So mm-hmm. beautiful. And so we finally, we get on the only flight to Cancun, the only flight to Cancun. And there, I think we are traveling with seven people or six people. And there was only seven spots on the mm-hmm. whole flight. It was like, again, such a God thing. The, there was a whole line of people. Do you remember the line yes. of people waiting in front of us? And everybody let us go. The pilot like pulled us. I was like, we have a bride. Sir, we have a bride. I repeat, we and have my a bride. We need to get this woman to her wedding. It's immediately. And everyone let us go. We ended up getting on the flight, but it was a seven hour drive in a van. Do you remember how uncomfortable that van was?
1: I had the (laughs) van that was supposed to pick us up in Merida and drive us to Campeche. I emailed them and was like, can you pick us up in Cancun?
0: (laughs) Can you pick us up seven hours away?
1: Yeah. And they were so nice. They did. They drove all the way over there. They had to hire, like have their other driver come. So it was a two man job and they picked us up over there in Cancun and we drove through the night and we arrived at the wedding site. It was like 3 a.m. So the hotel was aware of it. Like this was very small. Like each of us had our own building. Type of It was a hacienda. And don't forget, you um, had no luggage. Oh, yeah. My
0: suitcase did not arrive. So, so and, and I had that, my wedding dress and my makeup. She had only her wedding dress and I had all the makeup because I did your makeup. I got my suitcase, which had the makeup in it, yeah. luckily, because I didn't carry on. You carried on your wedding dress and then lost only Audrey's suitcase. Only my Everyone suitcase. Everyone else got their suitcase except the bride. So only Audrey is missing her entire suitcase except the wedding dress. Thank God. But your shoes weren't even in the suitcase.
1: Well, I was luckily planning on going barefoot, but like nothing, no, like you had, nothing. I had nothing. No, I had to. Yeah. I didn't have
0: anything. It was truly one of those moments where we were just triaging the situation. Yeah. And so she had absolutely nothing. And also to know Audrey is to know like there is a plan. I am operating on vibes and Audrey's operating with a plan. And so every single outfit was completely planned out there was going to be our, your photographer was there staying
1: with us the whole time. And she
0: was supposed to take photos of all the outfits. It was supposed to be this sort of like holistic weekend wedding adventure where everything was captured. And that was the point of like why you had her there. Every single outfit she had planned was gone and they had no idea where it was. It wasn't even like, Oh, it's, it's, it it can't land and be shipped, you know, seven hours over to us. It was just gone. Yeah. Did he ever come back? Uh, it came back to Austin. When I came back, I had to go pick it up from,
1: Gosh, what was the airline United? I mean, it was, and you it had all these tags on it from all the places it went. It it went <laughs> on around the world. <laughs> Carmen San Diego,
0: that bitch. Yeah, it was. It, but it ended up being the most beautiful wedding. It, it was, was like, so perfect, like it so was perfect, great. so filled with love. But it was like one of those moments where you just like cannot make this shit up. No,
1: no, I cannot believe that that's how it went down.
0: Okay. More questions from you guys. Has being around Courtney leveled you up? Not giving a fuck, being intentional, etc.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when you spend every day having like a serious conversation with somebody, because we do almost every single day, like we have some kind of heart-to-heart or serious conversation. Like it makes you look in at yourself. Um, it makes you learn a lot about yourself. It's made me become more self-aware. It's made me be way more confident because, much like Rigo, like you are very much a hype girl. So like always hyping, like always wanting me to win, always supporting me. Um and I think that when you have somebody around you that does that, that levels you up. A lot of who you are is who you're around.
0: I've grown so much. That's amazing. I think too, like something that's interesting is that people ask, like, would you guys it's like you don't want my job. No. And I think that's something that maybe people don't know. It's like, I want to create this like whole lane for Audrey and she's created this whole lane for herself for her to always like thrive and succeed. But like, she doesn't want to do what I do. Like it's not, it's not like a, that's not a thing. I
1: think I told you like when I was applying for the job, like I wanted to be the person that was next to the person that was like doing all the big stuff.
0: And you are. And I, yeah. Well, you do all the big stuff too, just in very different ways, Yeah, But I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, like, do you ever get like jealous and want to do that and you're like it's just like you know you don't even want to do that like it's no. not even it's not the vibe
1: no obviously I think what you do is great I think it's awesome I think that it takes a very tough skin very thick skin I'm self-aware enough to know that like that's not me
0: and i, I could never never do it. people every day <laughs> punching these yes. holes and I could never do what you do like I the way that you have to stay like so on top of it and like very like even keel and organized and all these things it's like we're good at what we do for our very specific reason and that's why we are who we are and that's why this works um but i think it's like a really interesting question i think though that goes to the point of where people always try to almost underhandedly like pit women against each other like do you want to be doing what she's doing and you're like no like and i never have but i think people try and say things like that to drive a wedge and it's like y'all don't think we're stupid enough to not know that's what you're doing right
1: no, like I, I think there, haven't there been times where people will like comment something like trying to get us yeah, to yeah. get in an
0: argument? Or people like maybe don't realize like how much we hype each other up anyways too. Yeah. And people will be like, oh my God, it'll be like a video of us. And there's like a whole thread of people. And they're like, oh my God, Audrey is so beautiful. And I'm like, I know, isn't she like yeah. the most stunning person you've ever seen? Like, y'all don't think that offends me. I yeah. It has nothing to do with me. I'm like, Audrey's stunning. And like, I, t- I mean, I tell you that literally every single day. I'm, I'm the Rego. I'm the work wife Rego of just being like damn Audrey looking good girl like so it's like I don't I don't know where that comes from I think it's people's own insecurity but y'all can't fuck with us just know that what kind of changes did having a baby bring to you and your husband's relationship honestly
1: it's required us to work a lot a lot more as a team like it's kind of shown where we didn't like work as a team as well before which obviously like we we're pretty good partners, but man has he has he stepped up like and really just helped with so much and he do, he does so many night wakings. We don't have a great sleeper. Um, and sure he's cute though. Yeah, he sure, sure is cute. But yeah, it really forced us to be a team. We've gotten closer. Like I I think that we've always had a good foundation, but this has really like forced us to work together and really balance things out as much as we can. And like me coming back to work, it's been so great knowing that he is like with Santi and taking care of him alongside my mom on the days that he's not able to. And like, I feel confident knowing that he's not babysitting, like he's taking care of his kids. kid, kid. He knows what to do. He knows how much he eats. He's I'm not having to relay all that info. And I think that's where like, I've been able to offload the mental load. Like we share it. I'm not having to be like, okay, like today it's Monday. I'm going into work. This is the time he needs to eat. He needs to have this much. Like he knows it's his kid.
0: Yes. So like he knows how much he needs. I identify, I think two of the things that I've observed about your relationship over the past four years that I've really admired that I think are kind of like the mainstays of your relationship. I think you have both sides of this and I'm curious if you agree with this. I think you guys are genuinely best friends. hmm Like he's your person. That's like your ride or die that you can tell anything to. And you just love hanging out. Like you're genuinely best friends. You enjoy spending time together, but you also have the attraction and the playfulness. I feel like there's a lot like, you guys are always flirting. I think y'all are a really good example of like date your spouse. Would you agree that those are two like foundational mainstays in your relationship? Because that's what I've observed. But obviously, I'm not really. I mean, I'm I'm kind of in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not fully in it. Like basically, there's gonna be rumors now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seriously. Oh shit, Audrey and Court. Yeah. much oh said.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, when when I talk to him, I still get giddy about him. Like it's been ten years. I'm. It'll be ten years in March. And I am I still feel like I'm dating him. Um, we don't go on dates a ton, but like, that's because we're not, we like to cook at home. Like, we like to make some steak. We're working on a puzzle right now.
0: You're like charcuterie um, when you're eating dinner. I know.
1: So yeah, I think that's a really big foundation. We still flirt. Like, he still hypes me up. Like, it's never, like, he can never tell me, like, I'm pretty enough times, like, for him. Like, every day he's going to be telling me I'm looking great. Like, every day he's going to be hyping me up. And in that way, like I'm taking care of him and trying to support him.
0: What are both of your love languages?
1: Oh, shoot. I don't even remember mine. It's been so long. Mine was like acts of
0: service. Yeah, your acts
1: of service. And his is physical touch.
0: And affirmations. I think he's really good at affirmations. I feel like you're, well, the reason I was asking is because I think you guys are opposite. Yeah. But I think it's interesting. I think your acts of service and quality time And he's words of affirmation and physical touch, but it still works, which I find really interesting. I still, from what I've observed, observed, because I think you guys have found a way to give kind of all of it in a way. It's like, you need the quality time. He's still affirming you, but you're still getting quality time. So it's kind of like you're doing all of it. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like we kind of, uh, we balance each other out and also being aware that like physical touch is very important to him. Like, you know, putting in more of an effort for that and him putting in more of an effort for washing the bottles. Like
0: was doing there those little things, was there a time when you realized was like having like a conscious thing about where you're like, okay, he needs a lot of physical touch, but I don't like, let me, let me like focus a little bit on giving this to him so that he feels that. And then obviously becomes natural over the years. How long did it take you of making that effort before it just came natural? Cause now it seems just really natural. Yeah,
1: um, I think it ebbs and flows. It depends on like where I'm at, like emotionally how supportive I'm feeling because obviously like with physical connection, I feel like my emotional connection needs to be there first, but we're both like very vocal with each other about like, if we're feeling like we're not getting one or the other. And I feel like that's kind of allowed us to continue to like grow with it. Like I'll, I'll let him know if I'm not feeling super supportive, he'll
0: let me know if he's not feeling like he's getting enough physical how long do you endure feeling like a lock in one area of your relationship before you decide to bring it up? Because I think I struggle with this personally. I go like two days of feeling a lack, and I'm like, hi, so this is what I need. Like, how long do you go? Is it a week? Is it two weeks? Is it a month? Like, how long is it where you're like, okay, like now I've given you enough time mentally where if you're gonna write, you know, steer the ship the other way a little bit, you would, it's time to bring this up.
1: I feel like I struggled for a while where I would just bottle it up. And that is something that I do. I'm aware I will hold things in. I will keep it in. And then the fuse will be lit and I will blow up. Um, So that's something I work on every day. But it honestly depends on the situation. I feel like if it's something that I know that he's been working on and he's trying on, then I'm going to give him a bit more grace. And I'm going to let like see like, is he progressing? Is he really like working on this? And I'm just going to take a step back because the last thing I want to do is like make him feel bad about an effort that he's like putting in. Maybe it's not like where I want it yet,
0: but like. I'm I'm only laughing because <clears throat> Ali always says like, we'll be talking about someone or a situation and like, just step back, like, let the man cook. Like, let him, I think Ryan actually said that, right, Ali? Like, let the man cook, like, let him, give him a minute to do his thing. Cause I'm so quick to be like, you're not giving me what I need. But it's like, let the man cook, just. It takes a while. Like it takes, and I feel like positive reinforcement
1: is kind of like, The way that my dog responds to like training is better with positive reinforcement mm-hmm. and not saying I'm training Rego
0: no you are it's okay. but like <laughs> <laughs> we've we hyped Rigo up enough to, to be able to compare him to a dog at the end of the episode it's yeah. okay
1: <laughs> but it's like I, I want to like positively reinforce the efforts that he is making because that's gonna make him be like yeah okay I saw that this worked I saw that you liked this like I'm gonna keep doing it versus like every time he tries something I'm nitpicking it like well like oh yeah you almost got there but like it's not quite where it's I want
0: discouraging. it discouraging yeah, yeah. Obviously, so much goes on behind the scenes. What's one thing you wish people knew dun, dun, dun.
1: Uh, I wish that people knew how sensitive you were because I think that sometimes you put off this this like tough exterior and like, yes, you're tough, great. We know that. but like you're very sensitive and you're very in touch with your emotions and you're very supportive. Um, and I think that sometimes people don't think that. And they don't like realize that. Like they think that you're just like this hard shell. Like you're, you're just like busting through life. And like, yes, you are, but like you need that support too. Like you need somebody that's there for you. You, you really thrive on like having emotional connection with somebody and having like serious conversations. And I think that sometimes like if somebody's just watching you on Instagram, like, yeah, maybe they don't know that. Maybe they missed a day where you were having that conversation that was like tough. So yeah, I wish, I wish more people knew like how sensitive you are, how in touch with your emotions you are and how supportive you are. Like you're always there for everybody in your life that is worthy of it.
0: Facts. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <clears throat> That like almost made me emotional hearing you say it because I do think I keep a guard up a lot of times. I think unfortunately it's because I have been burned so much, whether it's like showing a showing like a soft spot on social media and then having people like stick the knife in or letting a guard down on social I mean on in real life and like having someone stick the knife in there. And it's like, I have, I think been conditioned. It's kind of like what you were saying earlier about your dad and how losing your dad in the moment where you finally let your guard down, like unfortunately almost like conditioned you to feel like you can't let your yeah. guard down. Yeah, I feel like that about those emotional kind of like more sensitive side of myself i think people don't know that it's there because i do put up a tough exterior a lot of times It's because i've been conditioned over the years that when i let that down and show the soft side of myself i get stabbed so i think it's like a shitty it's hard yeah you know and i think
1: i feel like you also spend every single day of your like work life where everybody wants something from you and not in a bad way necessarily like some some is like on social media sometimes somebody like wants a little bit too much or they want some information that like really is like yours and it's private but every day there's there's dibs need something from you I need something from you Kirsten needs something from you your daughter needs something from you like that's a lot to always feel like somebody needs something and you never have that time to really just take a step back and just like not be needed yeah and that's like that's big that's heavy and I feel like people don't see that you're always being pulled in like a million directions because like you're just on Instagram for
0: 10 seconds but they don't see all those like
1: little strings almost that are like just pulling you every which way
0: yeah that's actually such a good visual and thank you for saying that I feel that makes me feel really seen honestly I think it's not something that people notice a lot so I appreciate you saying that I think I've kind of learned over the time over the years to be like I need to like step out I need to get my workout in or I'm gonna go and just read by the pool for an hour like I think I've gotten a little bit better um even though I'm not that good at it over the years of being like I just need like a minute yeah and I think I'm comfortable enough with you to be able to say like so you see more of the side of me I think I'm comfortable enough with you to be able to say like I need a beat Mm -hmm. because like I'm going through it a little bit yeah mentally right now yeah Um, What was going through Audrey's mind when she helped your ex plan the engagement? I have like a visceral reaction to this question and that time in general.
1: I remember that day, um, my stomach was really upset. Like I was having like a very, I was very anxious that day. I think I knew, I already knew that this wasn't it for you. Because I think we had just a week before that, we had had a conversation where you were like asking some questions and we were talking like candidly about the relationship. And I I remember telling you, like if you're asking me those questions and you already know, but it was kind of like a, like a snowball, like it was already in motion. It was all already going. Yeah. And I think like we were both just like caught up in it.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's harder when you're inside. Yeah. It, um I do think you were probably the one person that I, told like most things to, I didn't tell you everything as far as like how abusive it got and stuff verbally. I think I probably like alluded to it. Um, but I think when you're in that situation, when you're the me in that situation and you're the person like being verbally abused and being like other ways, obviously, but when you're in that situation, it almost feels, I don't embarrassing is the word, but it feels like, obviously if I say this to you, you're going to be like, holy what the fuck. Like we gotta, you know, so I feel like I told you though more than I told anyone else. Mm -hmm. I think you knew like I was really struggling with it and I didn't feel like I knew it wasn't right. I think it took me a minute to exit the situation because I knew that I was gonna get judged. And I thought that it was gonna create this whole other narrative that like I it was my fault. And I think After enduring everything I had already kind of endured, that scared me. Uh, But I knew in that moment that I couldn't let that win. And it was a moment where like when everything went down in Vegas, it was like there was absolutely no other choice. Like obviously I was going to leave. Yeah. And I called you. What was going through your mind when I called you? (laughs) I was proud. You made me cry too.
1: I was proud because I knew that if you were calling and you were telling me that you weren't going back. Yeah. I knew that that was the decision that in that moment, like you, you made that call because you knew that if I call and I tell, there's no way. You wouldn't have let me. I mean, I would Like you will yeah. be like the doors open, like you're walking out. Yeah. Um. So I was really proud that you called me and that you felt safe, like being able to tell me. I think that that's really hard. I think that sometimes people carry the shame of it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they're scared um, yeah. because. Of, it is scary. Of what what can happen? Like, I remember it was a very scary time afterwards, like wondering, is he going to show up? Like, yeah. Are you safe at your house?
0: Um, Yeah. I was really scared for a long time. Yeah, Like it's scary. And I think it wasn't something that I wanted to share either in that moment because a, like I was scared of like what he would even do in that moment and B, it wasn't anybody's business and C, I was processing it and there was like a yeah. lot going on. Yeah. Did you need to know how Audrey felt red flags about your ex fiance?
1: Yeah, there were situations where I remember there were a few instances where we were talking about it being controlling where I was just kind of like, I I think that this is past the point of like caring controlling and a little bit to scary controlling. And that was before obviously anything had happened. But I think that in those moments, like I was going to be there for you. Like no matter what, I think the worst thing that I could have done would have been like, if you don't listen to me and you don't break up with him right now, like I'm not going to be there for you. Like yeah, I was you just going to isolate were honest, you Yeah, you honest, but you
0: weren't like trying to tell me what to
1: do. Yeah, I was just like letting, you know, like kind of, if you asked my opinion, like how I felt, but I wasn't being pushy about it. But I also think that like in those situations, the person is like working really hard towards isolating you and like causing distrust in your relationships that you have with other people so that you don't feel like you can continue to go to them. Or if you do go to them, the advice that they give you or the things that they tell you, like he kind of tried to discredit like the people around you. And I think that I kind of saw that a little bit in the way that I, I wasn't going to push.
0: Like luckily that didn't happen at all. Yeah. I think we were close enough that like, I knew that you had my best interests at heart. And so nothing that like he was going to say about anybody like that in my life, like I was ever going to believe. I was sure enough in myself to be like the things that you're saying are like so fucked that, I think less of you, not me, but I think in my head, I was like, kind of like, can I change this person? Yeah. I think there was a part of me that was like, can he, is he always going to be like this or can he change? And are there reasons he's acting like this? Because, because he was always like, you know, people like that always blame yeah. it on you. But mm-hmm. And you see the best in people. Like, that's one of
1: your best traits. Um, but in that, that can like also too. come with, with giving people chances that don't need them or letting somebody into your life. And like, you're very trusting, especially for what you do, like your your line of work. Like I've been way a very too trusting, trusting over the years.
0: I think this year is probably the first year that I haven't been. Yeah. And I think, I, I think that makes me sad a little bit that like people in life have kind of like robbed me of that of myself because I think I liked that yeah. about, about myself. But I do think I've hardened too much to where I can't trust people that same way anymore because I've been burned too many times but Audrey always knows Audrey has like a sixth sense every single time I've had a problem with someone in my life Audrey's known before I have every literally every single time I can count probably like I would say the four to five main people that have been like the only people I would say that I've had like issues with whether it's relationship friendship anything in the past couple of years every single time you warned me every single time you've always seen it before I did Did you get paid maternity leave? How does that work with influencers?
1: I mean, I think every influencer, you're your own small business. So at the end of the day, like the United States doesn't have like one law for everybody. So it's really going to vary. But for me, like I got 12 weeks and I got paid
0: the full 12 weeks. Yep. Um, And now you're back. We're happy to have you back. Last question. Biggest surprise for you about motherhood?
1: Before I had him, I just kept thinking like, how am I going to know what to do? Like, how am I going to know how to like, they just, they give you a baby and they let you walk out with them. And fun, (laughs) funny story about that. Yeah. We're leaving and we're trying to put him in his car seat and we couldn't get him in the car seat. We couldn't figure out how to loosen the straps. So Rigo and I are on like no sleep, trying to figure out how to loosen the straps. The nurse is just standing there for like a solid three minutes where we're just fighting with these straps of the car seat and then she walks over presses the button no. and like loosens them and we just looked over at her and we were like how long were you gonna let us struggle <laughs> and she's like well I just wanted to see if you could figure it out and that's that's the thing that I've learned about like motherhood it's like you just figure it out like I took him home and it wasn't like all these videos that I was watching about how you take care of them and how you know when to feed them, and I was so overwhelmed. And then I went home and it, I just kind of he was hungry, so I fed him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he with was that tired out, and <laughs> so I let him go
1: to sleep. Yeah, like it's it's come more naturally than I expected it to come.
0: It doesn't surprise me at all, but it has been amazing to see you become a mom. I think it's like a whole new part of you, and it's unlocked a lot of beauty and calmness. You have a lot of calmness now that I think has been really cool to watch. Yeah.
1: I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be
0: doing. That's amazing. And I think too, in all aspects of your life, I feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing right now with the people you're supposed to be doing it, where you're supposed to be. For those of you guys who don't know or miss those stories, this is such a God thing again. I mean, what what are the odds? Well, we know, I guess, exactly what the odds are. One day in a whole year. Audrey's, so tell us your due date.
1: My due date was October 12th.
0: And when did you have Santi? October 6th. Which for those of you guys don't know is also my birthday, which is so crazy. I knew I had a feeling. Do you remember at your shower? I wrote it down on the card. Yeah. Everyone, she had one of those like prediction things. And I was like, October 6th, because it's a God thing. And lo and behold, I now have a birthday buddy. I know. My water broke the night before and I had him the next day. I was screaming. I was in, and Kirsten always said too, she was like, I feel like when you leave to go out of town, cause I was going to Vermont, my family's place for my birthday weekend. And when like you leave to go out of town, Audrey like exhales basically, like that baby be coming out. And like, sure enough. he did. <laughs> on October 6th. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Well, it has been a genuine pleasure. I'm so glad that we got to sit down and do this. That's a little bit behind the scenes of what we do around here as well as just getting to know Audrey. I know you've enriched my life so much. Why is this making me emotional? I hate myself. Um, I love you and I'm glad you're here. Thank you for coming.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. We'll see you next time. Bye.